Hey there, everybody. Vespi here. It is up to me to do all the ad reads for this episode solo because Mr. Wampler ended up in the emergency room, unfortunately, last night. Don't worry. He is okay. He is doing well. But I figured I'd give him a little bit of a break and take over the ad duties for this week. So we are going to start off with a simple question. What's your favorite scary movie? That's right, I'm here to tell you about yet another Fathom event. This time they're bringing Wes Craven's Scream 2 to the big screen to celebrate its 25th anniversary. One, how dare they remind me that Scream 2 is 25 years old. Uh, That damn thing came out when I was in high school, so that makes me feel extremely, extremely old. Thank you for that, Fathom. They will bring that to theaters October 9th and 10th. Do not miss the film that proves sequels didn't suck, and grab your tickets now at fathomevents.com. I also want to tell you about a little graphic novel called Are You Too High? This would have been a perfect read for for Pop Pop, but he is not here, so it's going to be up to me. Have you smoked too much weed? Is your trip way too trippy? Have you bitten off more edibles than you can chew? Well, have I got a book for you. Are You Too High is the new book by Brian Box Brown, the comic book artist and author behind many graphic novels, including the New York Times bestselling Andre the Giant Life and Legend. Are You Too High is a hilarious and delightful guide that may help you or your distressed friends stop freaking out or at the very least make you laugh until smoke comes out of your nose. Are You Too High is in stores now, or you can find it on Amazon or at netoko.net. That's N-E-A-T-O-C-O dot net. And before we get going, I, of course, have to remind you once again about our corporate overlords over at Fangoria. This classic magazine has been at it for over 40 years and is better than ever. Not only is Fangoria highly collectible, if you get yourself an annual subscription, it comes right to your front door four times a year. And each issue is filled to the brim with articles exploring every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking, past, present and future. With all the most exciting journalists, filmmakers and horror know-it-alls to guide the way, including from time to time, your intrepid KingCast hosts. This high-quality writing will only ever appear within the physical pages of the magazine, so if you want to join in on the fun, well, you'll need to subscribe. And to do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. And since KingCast listeners are in the family, you can enter in the promo code KingCast at checkout to save a whopping 25% off your entire order. And with all that said, let's get on with that show, shall we? My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad love! Bad love! Sir! sometimes, that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Today's guest is an author of novels, short stories, comic books, and the mastermind behind the Pumpkin Pie Show, which is a very good chance you've seen if you've been to a number of different horror cons or cool film fests and or fringe festivals like over in uh, Edinburgh. Uh, He's the screenwriter behind William Craig McNeil's 2015 horror film, The Boy, as well as the co-writer of the novel, which will soon serve as the basis for Henry Selleck's forthcoming Wendell and Wild, which lands in select theaters on October 21st before hitting Netflix 
on October 28th. As if that wasn't enough, our guest's latest novel, Ghost Eaters, hits stores on September 20th. And since we're all pals and he is deep in promo mode, we figured this was the perfect opportunity uh, to welcome our guest onto the KingCast for his very first episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Clay McLeod, a.k.a. McLeod Chapman. Hey. How you doing today, Clay? <laughs> I'm I'm promo FOMO. This is uh I'm in the mode, the zone. But uh... you are. You've been <laughs> you've been going like fucking bananas. That you were at that litcon thing of, yeah. over the weekend, and then I saw like within hours of you posting photos of being there, you were like at the Wendell and Wild premiere, and I was like, what the fuck? How did he even like physically be make that happen? Uh, no sleep, no sleep. It's been. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 been an awesome week. I'm not gonna lie. Spent the first part of it hanging with like my favorite horror authors. Like, mm, yeah, you know. yeah. I saw a picture of you and a uh, friend of the show, Stephen Graham Jones. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Mallory was out there. Mallory, mm-hmm. Bria. We did a little reading glasses, uh, you know, live event, which was absolutely awesome because mm-hmm. uh, I was sandwiched between Alma Katsu and Paul Tremblay. So. Uh-huh. You know, can't beat that sandwich. That's a good, mm-hmm. good sandwich. Good, good sandwich. Good sandwich. I love eating that sandwich. Um, you it know. sounds like you're hanging out with all of our favorite guests. So I'm gonna need an invite the next time. You know. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I'm feeling a little left out. Horror but... author Eric. We're horror commentators. That's a big difference. Hmm. I I appreciate you positing that that I am at that status, but I mm-hmm. swear I feel like I've still got that kind of sophomore vibe to the cool seniors. You know. <laughs> I will say I'm like growing. I'm not a freshman, but like you're still you're not an upperclassman. So like you're always like, hey, guys, you know, like, what are you right. doing in the cafeteria? Like, can I sit here? <laughs> Me too, and, guys. Right. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, hey, yeah, what? Uh huh. Oh, yeah, sure. And it just feels I mean, nobody's actually doing this, but the, the feeling, the vibe of why the hell and like, like, who am I with these people? Like, it's. I mean, it's Stephen Graham Jones, for Christ's sakes. And like, because like in my head, I'm doing that. I'm just, it's the echo chamber of like all the good Indians, all the good Indians. Like, you know, right. uh, you know, uh, with with Paul, it's like, you know, oh my God, like Paul Bears Club, Paul Bears Club. And you're just, mm-hmm. you know, the voice doesn't go away. So, so far, like uh, I'm, I'm in the, uh, I'm at the sophomore table. Well, you may you may feel that way, but as we just illustrated with that intro, you are a fucking busy man. You got a you are juggling a lot of plates and achieving a, a tremendous amount of success, as far as I can tell. So, you know, congratulations on that. Why? Why? why thank you. <laughs> and, and also, congratulations on not getting any sleep. That's that's yeah. definitely not going to burn you out in the yes. long run. Um, something for us all to enjoy, I guess. Yeah. Well, you 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 two are going to enjoy it the most because you get you get delirious clay today. This mm. is this is McLeod. You get a load. <laughs> <laughs> you get the, the sleep deprived load of McLeod. <laughs> that is a that is an unfortunate combination of words. Um, Strike that I, on the record. What was I going to? Something I was going to ask you a second ago, but now I've forgotten. Eric, you've got. Have you got anything for clay? Well, here's the thing is I'm holding on to something that for when we start talking about the story in question. So, uh, but I, I, it does relate to the boy since you, the title that you, you picked is a short story about (laughs) fucked up kids. So, so, um, you know, I don't know. I I feel like if I start that conversation, we're going to jump way ahead though. So do we want to just go ahead and get the Stephen King origin story out of the way real quick? 
right uh, up front? Yeah, we can do that. We yeah. can do that. I remember what my question was, but it'll take us probably another that'll that'll take us off on a tangent. So let's, Well, let's take that tangent, baby. Oh, let's well, I was gonna say, like the three of us went on that ghost tour together at the Overlook Film Festival a few months ago. Mm. Where Eric and I uh got very hungry <laughs> like midway <laughs> through it. <laughs> and the tour itself was you know, not really setting my world on fire. Um, and so we were like, let's let's bounce out of here and, and go get food. Uh, we, we thought we would have eaten by then and we hadn't. And it was like fucking eight o'clock at night or something by then. Um, but yeah, but it was very clear that tour was just getting started. Yeah. And it, yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't just a ghost tour. It was a ghost drinking tour. Like there was there was alcohol to be imbibed. So, mm. you know. Not only have you not eaten, but you're also <laughs> taking shots of of strange cocktails with a uh, sugary liqueur. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's not it's it's not just the like the stories might not be lighting you on fire, but the the burn in your belly is is probably uh, oh, it lit me on fire, especially in that humidity. Drinking yeah. like a like a, a room temperature shot of whatever that was was very strong, <laughs> and uh. uh I thought we would we'd go to a bar and we'd just order a, a drink. I didn't know they were going to be predetermined, and I was unprepared for that. And uh, mm. sitting out in that little courtyard, I was just like sweating balls and like, no, 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 no. Let's get some food in us. That courtyard got- sit was probably my favorite part of the tour, though. That's the one that reminded me the most of just sitting in like New Orleans Square in Disney. Yeah. It looked like so touristy, but like like built specifically. It was a nice, refreshing change of pace from the. Uh, uh, the dodging of vomit and human feces on the the, the ground outside of, you know, on, uh, in the French Quarter. Oh, New Orleans. But uh, my question was going to be like, uh, how was the rest of that tour? Because you stuck <laughs> around, right? I, I was there to the bitter end. I, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I'm such a sucker for that sort of stuff. Like, I, I love... I, I mean, I love ghost stories and I love mm-hmm. that you can kind of point to like, you see this chair here? Well, that chair is where, you know, Tobias Franklin hung himself off of the, you know, the third rafter of the this building. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, if you sit in it, you you can feel the cold spot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, 1857 it was. It was the sausage magnet of <laughs> New Orleans. And you're like, oh, cool. But there was there were other ones where it was just like, we would stop on the street and then someone would point up to a building and say, see that window up there? Got jumped out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And but uh, man, my favorite part was the dueling ghost tours that like we could be walking down the street and there's this like, other roaming <laughs> band of ghost tours that we would pass. And like, we would like, it was like some friggin' like, you know, like turf war. Like it reminds me of, um, Shaun of the Dead, where you know, right. you know <laughs> you like see each other yeah, in the, the alternate universes, similar. uses, right? yeah. Yeah. bizarro totally. world group. Then you got to get in a gang <laughs> fight, and it's just unpleasant for everybody. Yeah, I, I found myself listening to the 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 warring groups ghost story at a certain point, and just being like comparing notes of like who's like who's got the better details or the juicier kind of like right bits on the tail. Well, we um, we're going back next year. Apparently, uh, I guess that's a yeah, that's a little uh, announcement. Are you are you, do you know if you're gonna be heading out there? I I don't know. I mean, I, I would do. He it. He goes everywhere. We've established this already. <laughs> he, he will be at every event. <laughs> you're doing Zero the ghost sleep. tour this year, right? I yeah. I love it. I man, like I will. No, I mean I you're hosting the ghost tour. 
Am I? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's right. what you'll be doing in 23. Do you, yeah. You see this fork here? Everybody says if you use this fork, you will be haunted <laughs> by Franklin D. Archweather. Forkwell. <laughs> the, the fork magnet. Everybody's a magnet. Oh, my God. Did he make forks? No, he made pinatas. That's a stupid <laughs> question. <laughs> next. Next story. <laughs> okay, that's the that's a little detour I wanted to go down. But, but let's... Uh, yeah, let's go to the the topic at hand and start with uh, your Stephen King origin story, if you oh, don't mind. Man. I, you know, I, I've been racking my brain about it and I'm like trying to, to remember, like I, I was born in the 70s, raised in the 80s and like thinking like that was, I mean, like I was there, I was a kid during the heyday, like the, the like, yeah. let's make a movie out of everything. And I, if I had to pinpoint like what was my first encounter, I think it had to be Cat's Eye. Ooh, um, that's I interesting. It, well, I mean, like I, it, it, you know, for me, like I'm, I, I'm remembering the movies as they were kind of played on TV, and and I feel like Cat's Eye at a certain point was just in heavy rotation. Like that, it was rated PG thirteen. You know, mm-hmm. there there weren't. I mean, it was it was one of those those films that like didn't require a lot of editing. Like you didn't need to. There wasn't much to cut to put it on air, like to put it on right. TV. Um, you know, like I'm thinking like Quitters Incorporated, thinking uh, The Ledge, The Edge, The Ledge, The Ledge, The Ledge. The yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then whatever <laughs> Mr. Trolls Follies, like what is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. What is the name of that? Is that one. That one isn't a story, right? Like it was original to that one was written, I think, for the movie. Yeah, yeah the other ones were based on on the short stories already established. Yeah, yeah, but there must um, be some sort of official name for it. Let me look now. Um, oh, it's called General. General. Yeah, that's the name of the cat. There mm. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I mean, like I, I remember that film. I mean, the the distinct like seared into my memory this is Stephen King moment from that film is from Quitters Incorporated where you have uh James Woods's wife uh mm-hmm. going into the room the chamber <laughs> and the 50s whatever the 50s kind of uh song is that's playing and she's just getting the living daylights just shocked out of her and like like that's just something you don't see. <laughs> <laughs> Torture of, of of James Woods's uh, on screen wife. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I like, like I that 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 was one of those things where like the the just the, the torture of it, the, the kind of trauma of it, like it really, it really kind of embedded itself into me, and I was like, oh my god, like what is going on? Like people can't like I I can see people get shot and like they like clutch their you know, hand to their chest wherever they've been shot and there's no blood and they like, go, Oh, and they fall over. And like in, in your mind, your childhood mind, you're kind of articulating that like that person has been shot and they're, they're now dead. But the, the, the violence of it is so muted for TV. This, the, the kind of sheer notion of watching this poor woman <laughs> who is trapped in a glass chamber getting, She's just getting shocked over and yeah. over again. And like her hair, her hair <laughs> I mean, like straight up. And yeah. like you, you like that. I, you know, I'm blanking on the actress's name. God help me. But like she, I don't think she's had like a, like a long career within film. Like I, 
like this, this is her movie. So it made it easier in my mind to think this is, this is just her. This is some poor woman. Like, and she is being like, <laughs> is like being shocked. Legit and, shocked. Oh my God. Like, you know, like, you know, Mer- uh, what green mile, like fine. I get it. But like, like someone like this isn't this isn't the electric chair. This is this is a room where like an electrified like floor, right? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like mean, a, it's like almost like chain link all the way around. Yeah, you electrify the shit out of that while you're in it, and there's nowhere for else for you to go. You're just you know wow. leaping about like a rabbit. You see, I mean, you see that they do it to the cat first, mm-hmm. and. And I, you know, maybe this is my kind of personal childhood sociopathy, but I, you know, I registered like, oh, this is terrible. This is bad. Like they're trying to electrocute a cat. Um, But like when, but they do it in such a, you know, the kind of construction of the tale is that you see the cat get shocked first and you're like, wow, that's, that is, (laughs) this is off. This is bad. And then they warn you, they warn James that, uh, you know, smoke again, and it's going to be your wife in here. And, and you just like, that's not going to happen. He's going to, we're going to see this through. <laughs> and they, but they do it and they do it like unflinchingly. Like they, they present it in such a way where like, I mean, there are edits, there are cuts to it, but like you're, you're kind of watching it in essence in real time to the, the soundtrack of this doo-wop song. And um, <laughs> it, it it was severely traumatizing for me because you just don't. I, I think that was the first time I witnessed some tort, like someone being tortured, <laughs> and it it just messed. But not the last time. Not the last. Not the last. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the kind of definitive. Like I'm a kid. I should not be watching this. It's on on a Saturday afternoon, so I'm going to watch it. Uh, you know, I love. I love the pigeons pecking at the ankles. I love the dude from airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, Oh God, I love watching the, um, you know, all the, you know, the, in the general segment where the troll is on that record and it's, Oh my God. And, yes. and it's, it's the police. It's, um, yep. you know, uh, every breath you take. And yeah. Uh, they speed it speed up, it up speed right? It up. So it sounds like chipmunks by the end of it and singing it. Yeah. And the, the, the little fan. That's such a, a Looney Tunes ah. fucking ass segment. And, and I love it. Like, I, I I absolutely love the troll segment. Like, it, ah. that, that is the one that was my favorite as a kid. And I think it's it's uh, stayed with me. I just love the idea of the heroic house cat versus a troll trying to protect poor little Drew Barrymore from getting her breath but it- sucked out in the middle of the night. But I would, I would argue, I mean, I've actually watched it more re- like Cat's Eye recently as an adult. And it, I, you know, it might not, it might not hold up it, and, and it pays like extreme lip service in the opening segment to Stephen King fans. Like it, you know, oh, right. you oh, see yeah. like the, 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 the car is Christine. Cujo's you know? in there. Oh my yeah. God. Like it, like I don't, I don't need that. But uh, I, I feel like the film itself, like Lewis Teague, like he directed mm-hmm. alligator. Yeah. And, which is great. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing because you like, I think because of alligator, I'm more may, maybe in tune to it, but like the, in general, in that segment you have like, I mean, it's an actor, like an adult actor in this costume. And they're like, I'm, I have no idea what these <laughs> cinematic terms are, but like, you know, the, the kind of, composites of like a 
adult actor being kind of transposed into like a set that looks much larger than it mm. is and like you right. know you know the lily tomlin <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly holding exactly. a giant crayon yeah <laughs> i mean they really they really i think like there was some artistry there and you know cinema magic yeah and it uh it it totally worked its spell over me and uh yeah I you know it. what's a great example from that era of of using uh that is the gate Oh, if you, yeah. oh, if totally. you watch the gate, like just on a pure technical level, if you just want to look at it on, on a technical level, like uh, Randy Cook, who like was one of the people who brought Gollum to life and he was a stop motion guy. He helped do the stop motion effects in the thing. Uh, but, like he was the, the one of the leads on on uh, bringing the gate to life. And there's just so much really inventive like camera tricks and angles to make these little these dudes in suits look like little little uh, demons running around you know it's it, it's kind of a lost art it's something that would just be like kind of a shitty cg effect today yeah, totally. you know uh, for for a movie of that that caliber you know or that budget and uh, uh i don't know there's just something you know maybe it, it, this is purely my nostalgia talking but there's just something about you know that era of kind of old school journeyman, you know, filmmakers just doing, pulling out all these like vaudevillian tricks, you know, they go back, you know, a hundred years, you know, to, to bring a a goofy movie about, you know, opening a portal to hell in your backyard, you know, see you're making tonight's going to be a a gate rewatch. (laughs) Steven Dorff's going to get a a nickel and residuals from you tonight. Uh, When that, when this, I I, forgive me, like the story of uh, in the gate where the, the man, who's like built like the construction worker who is, he mm-hmm. dies and they like wall him off. Like that, that gave me nightmares as a kid. Like I, <laughs> I love that. Uh, yep. Yeah. And then he falls and turns into a whole bunch of little demons, little, little Plato demons, little claymation. That's <laughs> yep. the best gag in the movie. I think so he good. falls and just bursts into the, the little things. Oh, it's so yeah. rad. Love yeah, it. the gate, the gate's fun. Plus, you get that heavy metal satanic panic era. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the yeah the gate's a little slept on in terms of of horror. I, that movie scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Like that's like a legit disturbing movie to me. There's there's like uh, that dream sequence whenever. Uh, whenever they think uh, their parents have come home, oh yeah, or whatever, and then they like, it's like he goes, "You've been burned," and like he slows down. I don't know what it, what it is about that. Maybe there's some deep rooted psychology at work there of of being afraid of my parents, but uh, uh, but that and then like not the, worth examining. And then the there's the sisters like dancing, you know, with with the it ends up dancing with like a, their dead dog or something. There's a whole bunch of shit in in that movie that's really fucked up for being yeah. like not the extreme like slasher kind of movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. another another pg-13 or right like, or, mm-hmm. like it 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 does a lot without doing a lot but this Good is one. not the gate cast <laughs> no <laughs> this is the king cast and today you have brought us uh, a story from the nightmares and dreamscapes collection one of my favorite of his uh short story collections mm-hmm. called suffer the little children You know, we were talking about it a little bit before uh, we hit the record button, and this is not, um, I don't know, I don't feel like it's one of King's better known stories. Mm. Uh, I was excited when you picked it, because I really like this this particular story, and Mm -hmm. would love the chance to talk about it, but, you know, I assumed, I never in a million years thought someone would pick it for an episode, so (laughs) yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. For anyone who has not read it, Clay, would you be willing to lay out? the plot from 
you know, beginning to end, but just give us the major beats of this totally. story. Totally. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just love this story. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gobsmacked. No one else has picked it. So I, this feels, I feel like I have unearthed this treasure. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. So suffer the little children. It's all about a kind of like a school marmish teacher, uh, Miss Sidley, Sidley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it never really calls it out, but this, this definitely feels like, you know, post-World War II, maybe we're in the 50s, maybe we're in the 60s. Like, it, it, it never, I mean, I mean, I may, might be wrong, but like, it never kind of pins itself to a specific date, but it feels like of, of that kind of 50s era. It could be. I mean, yeah. published in 72. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there, you know, there's like a mention of like an electric clock in the background. Um, <laughs> right. that's, that's about it. Um, but yeah, Miss Sidley is one of those teachers who like a nurse ratchet type who who kind of like prides herself on her iron grip over mm-hmm. her classroom. And she has kind of perfected this this special uh, means of which um, keeping an eye <laughs> on her students while her back is turned, that, that kind of classic, you know, like she's mm-hmm. got eyes in the back of her head kind of scenario um, where she'll be at the blackboard and she has these, these thick prescription glasses that when she kind of looks through them just to the side, she can ha- see the reflection of her classroom looking back at her. So if any student is kind of acting untoward, uh, assuming <laughs> that, that Miss Sidley won't, won't notice, she can call him out and she kind of prides herself on this. She loves it. Like she, you know, it's her kind of secret power and, okay. and nobody, nobody knows um, how she does it. Her students, like she's this kind of mythic, uh, you know, uh-huh. tyrant of, of the school. Um, but then this one day, uh, as Miss Sidley is at the classroom, uh, kind of going through their, their spelling lesson, this is a, this is a third grade class. Miss Sidley uh, kind of starts doing her, her jam, like, you know, having her thing of like calling out, she calls out one girl and it's kind of like, how does she do it? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there's another student the student, uh, a boy, young boy by the name of Robert and Rob, like she, she kind of calls him out for, you know, he sits at the front of the classroom and he's kind of smiling in this strange way. He hasn't done anything yet, but you know, for whatever knowing way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Miss Sidley's kind of like her radar, her kind of spidey senses are tingling and she knows that like, if, if she just teases this out a little, that Robert is going to totally do something. And uh, he doesn't in the sense that he does, he like, you know, she calls on him. He answers the question, uh, you know, the like spell, you use tomorrow in a sentence. Um, and his <laughs> sentence is something bad is going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, innocuous in of itself. This is the fifties. You know, nothing, nothing's going on. Um, nothing she can call him out on. And uh, that's that. But like, like, like the line is drawn and just as things, you know, just as things are going to kind of move on and that's that Miss Sidley through the reflection in her glasses sees Robert's face change. Mm-hmm. And it, it happens just in a blink. There's not enough time for it to register and she can't, can't be sure what it is. 
but it is it 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 happens and it just kind of throws her for a loop and you know from that day forward she starts to kind of progressively obsess over richard and and what's happening what happened to him and like she loses her her kind of control over the class and it 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 gets to a point where like you know she's got something stuck in her craw and she can't let go of it um and then uh oh it's robert robert have i been saying richard I meant you Robert. said Robert at the beginning. You, you I said Richard once. I was going to let it slide. Oh, my God. But no, no. Uh, you, you I, brought I attention think... to it. And now yes. everybody's going to know you fucked oh, up. No, All right, let's I start over been... at the beginning. Let's go back to one. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the King Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Walk with me through the story. Of um, Robert, Robert. Um, I get a ruler across the wrist on that one. Miss it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You know, so like she, she like targets Robert and like, she like makes him stay out, you know, after class or like, it's like, you know, all the other kids are going out to play at recess and he has to stay inside. And they have this, this kind of like, t- like verbal tete-a-tete where, you know, she's like, you know, what, are, you know, I got my eye on you, mister. And, and Robert very coolly basically says, would you like to see my what does she say? She sa- he says like, would you, you like want to see me change? change? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he does it. And it is, I, I mean, in, in just that perfect way where like you, like the way that he writes it, the way that Stephen King writes it and the way that, you know, my imagination takes it. Like it's, it's just, it's just fluid. It's perfect. It's smooth, but it's not, it's not like, he doesn't like go into like overt detail about it, but he just no. like he just like what, sh- shares it. Like, <laughs> what 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 did you picture in your mind's eye? Because I had a very distinct image in my mind when when I reread this last night uh, yeah. in prep for this the show. I'm curious what yours is, and I'll tell you mine after if you if you have any thoughts on it. I mean, it felt it felt like kind of like taffy. Like it it, it was like mm. like the shapes kind of contort and they like dip down and kind of like his nose goes down and he's like talking out of his nose and like it yeah. it felt very like. You know, if you had a, a like a piece of like silly putty or like right, yeah, yeah like like silly putty skin with the big like with a, a smile that I think he describes it as like almost going to his ears or something. Yeah. So like it, it gave me a little like kind of death notey vibe, you know, from like a giant like toothy grin. Totally. Uh, but like this, you're right. It, it's in that transition that is the the fucked up thing. It's not what he ultimately trans transitions into it's the fact that his face just kind of melts down yeah. as he's talking and he's delighting in, in terrifying this teacher. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, the, yeah, I put a pin in there for just for that, that very, very moment, but uh, please continue. Uh, I mean, I have to riff just because like, I feel oh, like given, given that this is a, uh, this came, this, the book came out in like what? 92, 94, 93, uh, right 93. in the middle. I was yeah. right. I was, I was half right. <laughs> um, I mean, this is kind of pre black hole sun. This is, (laughs) this is pre, I mean, like, God, we got the trailer for the smile. That's out for smile. Yeah. You know, that looks looks good. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it, thank goodness it's kind of pre CGI because, you know, if this movie, if this story was to be adapted now, you could totally see the like, you know, take the face and like, you know, give it big eyes and give it the like, you know, the lips that go really, really kind of sharp up. And uh, yeah, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have that kind of CGI effect in my head. Right. The first time I read this, because I feel like it would, 
I would totally be hearing like Soundgarden, you know, and seeing that video. <laughs> and that, like, like that's not that's not what Stephen King does. So I always pictured something even more extreme than what y'all are describing. Mm. Um, like, and I did not reread this uh, before the show. I wanted to, and um, just I didn't get around to it. But my memory of it is that, or in my mind's eye, like the head is almost like an upside down eggplant. Like, isn't there a description of some sort of like, like not tentacles, but like tendrils coming off the head or near the mouth or something? Well, his it, hair, it's his hair. Like, yeah. it's like, like the hair doesn't like grow. It like, be, they become kind of like living, living tendrils or something. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like little squiggles on the head. So I'm thinking of like an upside down eggplant, you know, with the nose pulled down real far. I didn't remember this about the smile, but you're right. Um, so, and I was also picturing it like the color of an eggplant, like his whole head changed color, revealing its true form. And so I was always picturing something a little more Lovecraftian, I think almost mm. Cthulhu-esque. Yeah. I, I got the sentence right here. The head elongated and the hair was suddenly not hair, but straggling, twitching growths. <laughs> yeah. That's wild as shit, dude. I would not want to see a child do that. Black hole sun, yeah. <laughs> wash away the rain. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so then what happens? Do should I keep going? Do I? Am yeah, I gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So she freaks out. She panics. Um, and understandably, you know, yeah, yeah. And she basically it it comes to a head that like she, she has this panic attack and everybody like the administration, fellow teachers are, are really worried about her. So she goes on this month long sabbatical and uh, like in her mind uh, she knows what she's seen. She is sensing because the other thing that Robert expresses and shares with her before showing her face is that there are more of them. 11, mm -hmm. in fact. There's like 11 of them in the school like him. And he doesn't elaborate, doesn't kind of say more. Um, oh, my God. But even more terrifying, he says that Robert is still inside me. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I remember that. Like, he, like he basically is just like, and he's saying this all in the kind of like the sunny kind of, you know, who me kind of voice, like childhood, right. like, you know, I'm all innocent. I'm, and but he, he basically says, you know, there's 11 of us in, in the school um, and there's more coming. Uh, Robert is still in me. Uh, sometimes he, he, he wants, you know, Oh God, he wants me to let him out. Yeah. Um, and it just like, she he describes it as something like it tickles his tummy or something. <laughs> it's a, it's legit. That's the most, to me, the most, well, not the most disturbing part of the story that might come later, but, uh, yeah. but that is of this confrontation, like the face changing and all that. That's cool. That's rad. But like him describing this like suffering child, oh. you know, in the somewhere deep down in, in, uh, uh, yes. in the consciousness. Yeah. And then I don't know if I, I'm blanking if it was at this moment or if it's later, but like she sees him, she sees Robert, the actual child, like when his face contorts, like she's able to see the, the kind of the actual version of him within yeah. this mutating version of him. And that, that like kind of pushes her over the deep end. And um, so she basically like, is like, 
I, I, you know, she saves face because she's kind of this iron uh, Thatcher type. Um, right. <laughs> and uh, she, she's not going to let this, this little like alien Cthulhu punk get, get to her. Um, and uh, so she, she's like, I need a break. I'm going to take a month off. Um, she even like suggests like, I'll, I'll resi- I'll tender my resignation if you want. And they're like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about that. Um, so she takes a month off and that's her like prep mode planning mm-hmm. mode um she comes back after a month everything is hunky-dory she's she's in her class she's got her students again and now there are more of them it's not mm-hmm. just you know robert and the 11 you know she sees or hears them everywhere in the the school in the classroom mm-hmm. and uh her her plan oh my god um <laughs> yes I mean, describe in detail how the story ends I describe I will, why the movie will never be it or why this story <laughs> will never be it. I will. I'm going to cop to this. I'm going to admit that like when I pitched this to you guys, I was like, Oh my God, I want to do something for little children. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I like, had I not reread this in prep for this, I would have totally been like, and you know, so, like they die at the end and you know, happy, you know, the end. Mm. Um, I not so much. Not so much. I like, oh God, it had I known, had I remembered, I might not have asked to do this Mm -hmm. one, but like, I mean, it's still, I mean, I'm going to say that like, it's, it's an, it's a powerful story and the ending kind of makes it even more, more effective in this day. For sure. For Um, sure. Yes. Well, I mean, and also just again, a reminder, this was written and published in 1972 for the first time in, in Cavalier magazine. So this is before Titty Mag Alert. Yeah, yeah Titty Mag Alert. And yeah. uh, but it's uh, this is before school shootings and stuff yeah. was was unfortunately the, the norm. Range. So, uh, I mean, yeah, God, you know, but, it not only was it in Cavalier, but it was supposed to it was supposed to be published in Night Shift. Like it was mm, originally. Yeah on the docket to be in that collection. And I, like, God, like, I, you know, I have kind of opinions about nightmares and dreamscapes. It's not, like, I am a a kind of, I'm a stalwart. Like, I love uh, Skeleton Crew. I love Night Shift. Like, those those were actually my first Stephen King books. Mm. Um, But I can't imagine a world where Suffer the Little Children would have been in Night Shift because like I, it, it just blows my mind. And to think that like gray matter was on the chopping block too, which that seems. Well, why is it? Why, why would it surprise you if it were included? Well, because it, it, in my mind, and this is because nightmares and dreamscapes was my first, like I am buying this Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. Like, like up to that point, you could find him in the library. You could like, there were always the kind of paperbacks lying around. Like you go to a, you go to a beach house, like someone, like there's a tattered copy of the stand right there. So you, mm. you, you kind of pick it up and flip through. But like at that point, I mean, this was like middle school for me. Like, like, no, it was, it was freshman year in high school. So like I had gone, like I'd gone through middle school. I had read, I, I, I became the kind of habitual reader, uh, started with Skeleton Crew, started with Night Shift, transitioned into the novels, got through it in eighth grade, like when nightmares and dreamscapes came out, it was like a big friggin' deal because it was like, this is 
like I like I'm going to put down my hard earned money and I'm going to buy that telephone book of a hardback and it's I'm going to feel like I'm going to it's it's going to it's going to be for me and um like it was my choice and uh I I you know I love Stephen King but I didn't I didn't like for some reason it doesn't it doesn't hit the notes that Skeleton Crew and Night Shift do and you know I I mean I love I love the night flyer. I love chattery teeth. I love the moving finger, but like it, it, the maybe because I think there may be even, it feels like there are lesser stories in it or fewer stories in it, but, um, in nightmares and dreamscapes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it, about double the size. It feels yeah. like for real. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the past few years we've done a short story collection as the title for our anniversary specials. Uh huh. You know, we did, um, uh skeleton crew was first right yeah yeah the skeleton crew stunt spectacular and we brought in uh however many guests it was like 20 guests or whatever uh to each do five minutes on Uh each story you know and then we did it again this year with the night shift of 100 stars um (laughs) and we've talked about doing nightmares and dreamscapes but it's like so fucking daunting because it's what is it like 27 stories or something like that 27 or 28 yeah it's a high high 20s that's yeah so, it's it's a lot that just blows my mind like for whatever reason i just kind of in my head i just feel like it just it just feels smaller um but i'm 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 wrong um but like of the stories in that particular collection the one that always the one that just lands for me is suffer the little children mm. um so, well, I, like, I have a th- theory about that because most of the stuff that it is in Nightmares and Dreamscapes was written for a short story collection, whereas this one is one of the holdovers from his early hungry, pulpy days of, of sending out these stories and just writing the most fucked up things that'll that'll sell and, you know, let them afford groceries for that month, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what night shift and skeleton crew are like predominantly those collections is like collecting those early shorts before Carrie became, you know, a huge success and was able to, uh, you know, bring the Kings out of poverty. Um, uh, so, so that might be the reason why you're drawn to it. I know that Scott's probably sitting there going, you know, you're, you know, you're throwing shade at crouch end and I'm not going to have it. No, everyone's entitled to their own favorites. (laughs) That's Okay. I think, but yeah, I do think Karach End is by far the best story in that book. But it doesn't have the ending that Suffer the Little Children has. It doesn't no, but have it has an a ending lady. That, that we, we will dance around for 15 minutes because Clay doesn't want to describe it. <laughs> yep, yep, you've heard Mr. Robert Zombie, the third, maybe the fourth. I don't know. I haven't looked in his genealogy. But you've heard him sing, so that means it is time for the mid-roll ad read. Now, Wampler usually handles the Athletic Greens read, but since he is out for today, guess who's got that duty today, kiddies? Yep, that's me. I'm here to tell you about Athletic Greens, which is a product that Scott and I both use literally every day. Who wants to take a tub full of vitamin supplements when they can get all their daily vitamin needs taken care of in one green glass of water? So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging 
all of the things. I take a spoonful of athletic greens and a cup of water every morning, chug that sucker down and feel energized and ready to fight the man for the rest of my day. Athletic greens is a cheaper way to stay healthy, costing less than buying all the supplements you need on an a la carte basis. And it even comes with a full year's supply of vitamin D. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. If you haven't gotten your flu vaccine, get on that shit. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash kingcast. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash kingcast to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The other sponsor I want to tell you about is Hauntlanta Paranormal Convention. That's Hauntlanta, by the way, not Hotlanta. You know, hauntas and spooky ghosts, which is more appropriate for the show, I think. Uh, Hauntlanta Paranormal Convention. It's happening this week, September 22nd through the 25th in Atlanta, Georgia. Celebrity guests like Amy Bruni, Adam Berry, Chip Coffee, and the Ghost Brothers, the entire Destination Fear crew, and more are headed down for workshops, lectures, and meet and greets. They're going to have interactive paranormal gaming experiences, local artists, vendors, celebrity panels, and a live ghost hunt led by celebrity investigators Shane Pittman and Chris Fleming and psychic medium Chip Coffee. Tickets are still available at Haunt Atlanta. Once again, Haunt as in ghost, H-A-U-N-T-L-A-N-T-A dot com. And if you use the promo code Fangoria20, you will get 20% off your ticket purchase. Now let's get back to talking about those suffering little children, shall we? Enough distractions, Clay. Tell them how it ends. Okay, Alex Jones just got uh, (laughs) guilty for... um, Okay, ending of Suffer Little Children. Uh, Yes. Our 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 lovely teacher, Miss Sidley, mm-hmm. she comes to class with her brother's Luger, mm-hmm. and she basically says to the class, "Okay, class, pop quiz. We're gonna have a test today, and in order to take this test, I need to take you one at a time down to the mimeograph room." And <laughs> it, it was not suspicious. Not not suspicious. One at a time. You're going to take the test and then you can go home for the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so she, she takes Robert first. Uh, they have their conversation. Robert basically kind of alludes to the fact that there's, there's more of them. They're out there. Uh, she can't get rid of them. And she shoots him, shoots him dead in the eye, like, 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 like in the head. Yeah. And he goes down. The, the mimeograph room is soundproof because it's like close to... I, I don't know, maybe like the boiler room or the generator or something like, like it's, it's soundproof for a reason. So nobody else in the school hears this shot and he's a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and Third grader. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and she, she has to hold on to her, like hold the line, like hold on to that last scrap of sanity. Um, you know, yeah, she has this whole inner monologue with herself at this point going, you know, the Robert, the, the original Robert isn't there anymore. And if he is, I'm actually doing him, uh, you know, a, a service, yeah. you know, here I'm, I'm putting him out of his misery, you know, which, which felt very jaunt like to me that like, mm. you know, that you have this idea of being captive in your own body and kind of mm. lost to some kind of otherworldly dimension. Like, uh, yeah, it, no. she, she drinks the Kool-Aid and she, you know, goes for the next student, the next student, the next student. And she makes it up to, 
think it was either 12 or 13. Like it was I like, she's on her 13th yeah. whenever she's discovered. Yeah. Oh God. And the 13th student, she's like, <laughs> like some teacher comes down to like pick up some graphite paper and yeah. finds the pile. Uh-huh. And, um, and Miss Italy is like, no, like, like she's going to shoot this other girl. Like, be like, no, let me show you. Like, you know, change, change, motherfucker, change. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, this other teacher wrestles the gun away from her. And, uh, yeah, only 12. I, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about the, the, the little coda coda. I mean, I was, I, I had to be like 13, maybe 14 when I read that. And like, for me, I never, I've never heard of a school shooting at my 1993 self, my 13 Mm -hmm. year old self. Pre-Columbine. Yeah. Yeah. Pre, yeah. Like I, and like, I think of like apt pupil. I think of, um. Rage. Rage, rage. Yep. You know, Stephen King was the person who introduced me to the notion of school violence or Mm -hmm. school shootings or like, you know, and it, 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 it feels really strange to think of it now. And I'm not, I'm not like positing like Stephen King didn't like, I mean, maybe he kind of foresaw what was coming, but like it, like there was something about the fact that it was a teacher doing yeah. this. Yeah. That's and, the big difference between his other stories is it's not one of the students. Yeah. But it, it, it like in this post Columbine really post Sandy hook, like right. it, it, Oh my God. It just, it just lands. It just, it hits like in a way like you know i was naive at 13 like i like i mean if i was 40 you know years old at in 1993 i'd read this and just be like oh my god like that's you know that's awful but i'm glad it's just a story mm-hmm. um i read it now and i'm just like i never want my kids to go to right. school ever again <laughs> like, i think of this story every time i hear that bullshit about we have to arm the teachers <sighs> oh jesus you know it's like well, X number of teachers have been caught, say, sleeping with their students or, you know, doing inappropriate things with kids. Maybe maybe not to that level, but still enough to get them fired or, you know, ostracized from from the uh, from that industry. And I'm like, surely there's one of them out there that by law of averages, there's got to be one like absolutely unhinged teacher out there that you absolutely do not want to give a gun to on the wrong day. Yeah, You know, and that that to me is a really fucking scary notion. Absolutely. I just I, I think of this story every time I hear that brought up, you know, yeah. some dipshit politician like, well, the, obviously the solution is to arm the teachers. Yes, that'll <laughs> do it very well. I, I, I really I just wholeheartedly feel like this is, you know, it's a story for now. Um, You know, it, 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 mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. it just lands. It just it it has come into a zone where, you know. I don't want to posit that it's more timely, but it does feel the the ending just registered for adult me, parent me, father me in a way that I mean, I loved it at 13. I'm terrified of it now. But I will say, as 13 year old me, I loved the ending ending. Like, I, yeah. like there's something so kind of gnarly and and of its time, like like, you know, I, I want to say this was in the 50s. Like, I'll just, you know chalk this up to the fifties because there's, you get to the end, they, they wrestle, uh, Miss Sidley down. There's no trial because the community that the, the kind of town at large believes the best thing to do is to kind of essentially kind of sweep this under the rug. Um, 
no matter like you know against the parents protests against everything that happens because these were just children um so they institutionalize miss sidley and you know a good good chunk of time goes by where like she's you 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 get the sense that she's making progress or healing like she's you know she's getting better quote unquote um and then they they oh my god what was it called there was a um it was kind of a form of therapy oh god experimental encounter therapy situation <laughs> which they yeah. they put her in a essentially kind of put her in the classroom again but the classroom and i'm going to i'm going to quote king because it's just it's the most beautiful sentence the line i just love it because it's so of its era and so biased and so politically incorrect and so kind of profane but uh miss sidley sat in her wheelchair with a storybook surrounded by a group of trusting drooling smiling cataclysmically retarded children yikes (laughs) and like i hear that in my kind of contemporary you know head and it's like oh my god uh, but like, it just speaks so much to its time, its era. I don't know. I appreciate it. I love it. Um, but yeah, yeah. it definitely paints, paints a picture and, 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 and it's fascinating within the context of the story too, of just, you know, they think that the best thing to do for somebody who, you know, killed almost her entire class is to, you know, just put her and I, I, it's like preschool age or something, right? They're, they're very young, yeah. put a, put, put her around kids again. And, uh, uh, and then like the real button comes yeah. next, which is, which is f- fucking crazy. Yeah. If, if you would like the honors. I would love it. Thank you. Um, she's like, she stops, she cl- like puts down her book and she's, she just very kind of matter of factly with no emotion on her face says, um, take me away, please. Um, she doesn't say it to anybody in particular. She's like, you know, she's in one of these, uh, therapy classrooms. So it's got the kind of double-sided glass, you know, the the kind of mirror where like on the other side we have psychologists or the, the, you know, the people, the doctors in charge of her watching and monitoring her, but she just puts the book down, says, take me away, please. And they do. And that night she, uh, cuts what she like, uh, basically like, cuts her own throat right yeah she breaks uh, a mirror yeah. or something and, and cuts her own throat with yeah. one of the pieces yeah and um so then one of her like her therapist basically uh i just love oh my god the last line uh you know the, the his therapist her therapist is named buddy jenkins and buddy jenkins began to watch the children more and more and in the end he was hardly able to take his eyes off them I don't know, man. I mean, I, I just love this story because it's like, like, is it in there? Like, are they there? I, I just love, I love the ending. Does it to me every time. Yeah. It's one of those, especially for this era, you know, this is, we're talking about, this is like sandwiched the original publication, the sandwiched in between the original invasion of the body snatchers and the, the great like 1978 remake with Donald Sutherland, mm-hmm. where it has that, these thing, these children are being taken over, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and so much of the story is played as: is this in her mind? Is she having a mental breakdown? Is she seeing things that aren't there? Is she imagining these conversations? Um, and then to have you know the coda be like she ends up taking her own life, but 
like but then you know this very professional person is going well shit maybe she had a point maybe something is going on here and you know what's what's worse the person who lost their mind and killed their classroom or the person uh, who legit was taking out demons and stuff this reminds me a lot i wonder i wonder how if this is anything that uh, played into uh, bill paxton's frailty because frailty's Hmm. kind of a similar setup yeah um, where you have a father that's convinced that that there are demons around and uh, he's killing people and his children it's all told from the point of view of his children and uh, uh, you know not to spoil the twist if uh, if nobody uh, or somebody listening to this hasn't seen it but uh, twist is maybe the dad you know was uh, was onto something and uh, he wasn't just a cold-blooded killer after all um, it's more tragic if she lost her mind and killed a bunch of innocents but the scarier thing is, is if uh you know these things are just taking over our children it, like it, it strikes me as like a possession story almost it's not so much a body snatchers story but it's more like a exorcisty you know possession thing there's something that's taking over these kids especially the description of the original version of of the, the original personalities being buried deep in there you know and kind of held captive by this thing it's very much to me a possession story more than yeah. a like an alien invasion or something. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I take it at face value. I don't think it was in her head. As per yeah. usual, Stephen King stories. You know, <laughs> right. I, I just, yeah, I think those kids were fucking weird little creatures or something. Yeah, but it's like, okay, two things. The, you know, I, I, I hear you on the, the possession front. You know, yeah. there's like, he does, there's one line that has the word alien in it. And mm. I, I bump against it because it feels... I mean, I think it's used in the sense of like not extraterrestrial, but just yeah, unfamiliar. Other. Yeah. Um, but like for me, it's it's to kind of go to what Scott's saying about it. it's like this cosmic notion of like mm. the unknown is otherworldly, you know, perhaps not extraterrestrial, but 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 Lovecraftian or you know, like it's never extra-dimensional. It's, I could I yeah, could buy that. Yeah. Totally, yeah. because it's it's the way that the manifestation of these, these creatures happens. It feels so like organic and fluid that it, it, I don't know, like it, it struck me as, you know, remind me of course of like John Carpenter's the thing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like the body, we're no longer bound to the, the boundaries of our flesh. Uh, Cronenberg should do the, (laughs) you know, the adaptation of this. Um, But, uh, you know, it, it feels very shunting like to me or yes. you know, like this is this is society uh, without the the orgy. I want to take it at face value, but you're, there's always that seed of doubt. Um, and the only way, the only tipping point is in that Buddy Jenkins. That's only in that that final coda where, you know, is it in her head? Is are these things real? Like, are they there? Like, you know. If, yeah. we, if we took this story to trial, I really think that we could acquit. Like we could say like, no, it was all in her head. We could convince the jury that uh, with reasonable doubt that like, you know, well, maybe, maybe they're real, but we don't know. We don't know for sure. But you put, you put Buddy Jenkins on the stand and he's, he's now at the precipice of conversion. He's at the precipice of, of seeing, believing and, I love, I love that because it's a, it's such a goddamn inception moment where it's like, you just want the spin, you you want the top to just stop and fall. 
<laughs> right. It's right there. Just tell just tell me definitively, <laughs> motherfucker. God damn it. Let me know. You know that this could be a sister story to the boogeyman as well, which it has an, another similar is this dead guy crazy. He's a, a, a father that killed his kids and he says, it, or, or you think he, he's the father that killed his kids. And it's kind of revealed that they're the monster in the closet, you know, real. And, and that's what's actually taking all of his children. Um, but it has a similar thing where it's his therapist at the end or whatever. And, uh, it's kind of revealed, you know, that, uh, that guy, the guy, uh, maybe isn't lying about the reason why his, uh, his kids all seem to keep popping up dead. Yeah. Uh, that's another Cavalier story, by the way. So (laughs) there you go. He got his, uh, you know, in the tiddlies, they, uh, they were the ones they, they got the gems. Right. Well, and that one was a night shift as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that that was a night shift story. So maybe that's the reason, the real reason why uh, both couldn't coexist because they were both pretty similar. Totally. Hmm. totally. That's a good theory. That'd be my guess. Have you ever heard the uh, audiobook version of this, Clay? No, but it's it's by it's narrated by, by Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Indeed, that the the Nightmares and Dreamscapes uh, has a fantastic audiobook. Tons of really cool people come in and do different stories. Tim Curry does Crouch End. Yeardley Smith does Rainy Season. Whoopi Goldberg does this one, uh, and she she nails it. It's a great reading. Yeah, um, I I want to check it out. I there is a short film from Russia, like, like someone, like if you go to YouTube, you can like find a Russian adaptation of this. Like it's a, it's a a short, I, I just could not, I watched like three seconds and I was like, nope. Um, yeah, because it was not good or you were worried about how it was going to turn out. I, well, I, I'm, I'm being crass. I'm making a judgment call. I, I didn't think it was that great. And I saw a lot of the, the thumbnails for, for those. Cause, uh, you know, I, I ended up, uh, listening to the whoopee, uh, audiobook yesterday um, when I revisited the story and I did that via YouTube. It's just on YouTube. Um, and while I was searching, <laughs> searching for that, I found, cause there's like a, a, at least two or $3 baby versions of it. Um, and uh, maybe some uh, uh, even unofficial dollar babies were on there and they just looked very badly. It was like, you know, spirit store, you know, pancake makeup on, on the kid kind of thing in the thumbnail. And I'm just like, nah, it's fine. I'll just listen to the story. Yeah, I know back in like, was it like 2017 or it was after when did when did the remake of the it, part it, one of it come it out? It was 2017. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. This Yeah, yeah. like someone there was an announcement like they did the whole kind of like press release that uh, there were some filmmakers who were going to do a feature version of this, like adapt it. And then I guess it was one of the first announced after the success of, of it, you know, when that had that giant opening weekend and everybody's like, Oh shit, Stephen King's back. Let's go through the back catalog. Which one haven't been done? Oh, seven little children. Nobody's going to do school shootings these days. Ah, let's do this one. (laughs) Money's flowing in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this will ever get adapted. You know, it, it would have been a perfect fit for the nightmares and dreamscapes anthology series that they did. But I, I think the ending is why, you know, it's just it's too spicy, too hot. Yeah. You know, people get mad, you know. I mean, what they would do is they would just age up the kids and or something, you know, it, it, it would be high school. They'd it would still be, be high school. It would uh, be high school, but it would be like, you know, just the way it, it just plays different. I mean, I think that you could get away. With, again, we're, we're into this uh, this conversation about 
like uh like oh the long walk can't happen and i say it absolutely can the hunger games was like you know what five years ago you know and it's the mm-hmm. exact same fucking thing uh if you make them high school kids and you you know you cast them as people who you know, like look like the high school kids that were in film and tv when i was uh, a kid that were you know had mustaches and bald spots you know it's like i think you could get away with it whether or not the audience is there for it you know i don't know i I also don't know how this works if you stretch it out into feature length like just ignoring all the social and societal reasons why this uh probably won't happen like to, to me this is a tales from the crypt episode you know this is a you yeah. know him and his ec comics thing i could see it as a a half hour of tv but i, I don't know if i could see it as a as a feature without you just radically changing everything or expanding the world i guess you could make it this whole thing about a global problem about children you know being replaced by by monsters or something but uh then that i mean that opens the scope of it so much that it loses its power i think for sure yeah and you know i'm sitting here thinking about this as we're as we're talking and like one easy fix you could make is she doesn't actually kill um any of the kids like takes the first one in there, Robert, to shoot him. And then, oops, somebody walks in the door and stops her, you yeah. know, sees the gun um, and, and then yeah. that becomes. And the so thing. she yeah. gets committed anyway. You know, you could still hit those beats without, you know, all those kids getting shot um, and still have her go crazy. You know, the implication could be that because she didn't shoot him, you know, the the virus or the the whatever this is, this takeover that's occurring with the children is now spread to the mental hospital she's at. Now it's inescapable. Like, yeah, I, you could make that work. It could be in in the mouth of madness uh, ending where she's committed <laughs> yeah. and then she she's let out and the entire world is just fucking, you know, decimated and taken over by these things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's funny you you bring up invasion of the body snatchers and I, I feel like there is a riff on that like it's this is the faculty of kid takeover you know like right instead it, of the teachers yeah yeah it feels very i don't know like you i don't know if i would want to see that version i don't think i would be want to be responsible for that version but it does <laughs> right you know um and there is like a riff in the story itself that like she kind of does that mental thing of like well kids these days are like they're they're always kind of disrespectful in this way that makes them seem like they know more where, you know, kids, you know, when she was a a kid, like they respected their elders and, you know, like, you know, you could posit that like whatever the kind of body snatcher metaphor here is, is that like, you know, don't trust the kids. The kids aren't right these days. Right. But as long as you put black hole sun on the soundtrack, I'm I'll be there opening. (laughs) That is a great button on that. (laughs) Unless we have more. To discuss. I'm good. No, I yeah. think we we've run through the story from beginning to end. Yeah. Very well. Well, Clay, we talked a little bit about fr- up front about all the uh you know uh plates you're spinning right now. Uh this is your opportunity to tell people a little bit about them, where to find them, where to find you, etc. etc. The floor is yours, sir. Awesome. Thank you. I have to ask, I have to beg, please, please, if you like spooky books. I have a new book, a new novel that's coming out on September 20th. Um, it is called Ghost Eaters. Yes. And Ghost Eaters is all about a haunted drug where you pop a pill and you can see the dead. Um, you know, the other side, the veil is lifted and now your special hallucinogenic can uh, allow you to see 
anyone who has passed away and uh, has gone on beyond the veil and, um, you know, a group of friends uh, kind of start doing their little pill popping seances. And uh, what they come to learn is that uh, you can open the door to the other side, but you can't close it. And uh, once you see the dead, the dead can see you and they might not be as happy about being seen. So it's a, it's a doozy. And it comes out uh, September 20th on Cork Books. And I, I need you to buy, to buy it. Like I, I want, I like, I feel really excited about this book. And I'm very, I am nothing if not just like, just hopeful that this book finds, finds its readers because, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah well, you, you sent us copies of this. I have to confess that with everything else that has happened to me in the past month, which is quite a bit, have not finished it. I really like it so far, but I will say this. Uh, I'll bring in a, a sort of a guest commentator uh, on this second hand. Uh, I know I, I told Mallory that you were coming on the show uh-huh. and that and that uh, I had a copy of that on route like back whenever that was going on. And uh, she had already read it and was just like, oh, that shit is amazing. So. She has very great taste in books. Um, Well, I cannot render a verdict yet. Uh, I will take Mallory's word for it. And I am comfortable sharing it here because uh, she knows (laughs) from good reading. She's the best. I, I do not know what I've done to earn a friend like her. And I will be thanking my lucky stars every damn day that Mallory Omara is in my life. Yeah, the best. The best. Mallory. Hi, Mallory. And then uh, Wendell and Wilde. October 28th on Netflix. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we had our premiere at uh, Toronto International Film Festival back on, um, what was that, September 11th? Um, and then uh, limited theatrical October 21st, and then it hits the streamer on the 28th. Henry Selleck, a man knows how to make a beautiful yes. movie, doesn't he? Oh, my God. Guys. Good Lord. <laughs> guys, it is it is beautiful. We have a lot of Henry Selleck movies now to kind of like pick and choose from, but like some of the moments in this film are just, you, you, you're going to have your favorite and that's fine. And it, it may or may not be Wendell and Wilde and that's fine. But like, there are moments within this movie that are just like top tier. Like how in the hell did they do that? Like this is, it's just gorgeous. It's just stunning. I, it's a fucking magician, man. Yeah. I, I, I wrote up like the trailer for it for Fangoria or something the other day. And it was just watching it. I was like, how does this motherfucker keep topping <laughs> himself? Like, this is just gorgeous jaw dropping. Yeah. It's some of his best stuff, like hands down. And that I, I might be biased, but like, I will totally go to bat as saying like some of the stuff in here, just, it's just gobsmacking jaw dropping. Like he, you know, literally jaws drop in this one. And you got Keegan Michael Key in that bad boy, Jordan Peele. Yeah. Gonna need you to get both of those gentlemen on the show. Thanks in advance <laughs> for that. It's that. Yeah. Preferably together and preferably uh in character as <laughs> uh either as Obama and his anger translator or the Gremlins pitch room. Oh, oh my god, that's fucking sketch. There you go. Um, Henry, I'm not saying anything out of, out of school here, but like Henry has gone on record as saying the, the moment that inspired him to like see Key and Peele as Wendell and Wilde was the Terry's, uh, (laughs) he, he saw that and he was like, those are my guys. This is, they are Wendell and Wilde. So that was the kind of, that was the guiding force in 
you know, bringing them, bringing them into the fold. Well, I'm excited to see that one. Excited yeah. to finish Ghost Eaters. And, um, you know, you'll, uh, you'll have to come back the next time you've got, uh, you know, another thing in the hopper, which I, I imagine I, won't be too much longer. I've heard of this story called Crouch End. That's pretty good. I heard it's, it's okay, but like. <laughs> I'm always um, ready to talk about Crouch End. It's in End that extremely it. short, short story collection, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. <laughs> yes. Have you, <laughs> I, I should know the answer to this, but have you never done Crouch End on the show? We've done it twice. We did one oh. with uh, Rob Sheridan very early in the show's run. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, fuck, we did one, another one just recently. Who was it? Who was it with? Vespi? Uh, David Lowry. That's wow. right. Yeah. Whoa. Cause he was, he came on and did a revival at one point and uh, just browbeat him about reading Crouch End. And sure <laughs> enough, he read it and like emailed a few months later and was like, all right. I want to talk about Crouch End now. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so. Thank you for being here today. Congratulations on all your continued success. And uh, thank you for bringing this title to the show for the first time. Well, thank you for having me, guys. Let's yeah. uh, let's give a hand for the little children. Yeah. There, there are many of them out there now. <laughs> <laughs> many thanks to Clay McLeod Chapman for coming in to talk about this very disturbing story. Uh, I think one of my favorite things about this episode was that kind of realization as he was describing the story, uh, (laughs) how hard the story is to kind of talk about in these modern times. And to me, it felt like we all had that same thought at the exact same time where we're just like, oh, this is going to be some eggshell stepping territory we're getting at here. But uh, I always love the excuse to dive into these more obscure, uh, not as famous King stories and Clay did a great job. Thank you so much for coming on. And we highly recommend you pick up his new book. So since I am running this outro solo, uh, one, I want everybody to fire up their Twitter and go to at Scott Wampler BMD and wish him a very quick recovery from his overnight stay in the ER. Uh, Do that. Send him gifts of the most disgusting spiders you can think of. I'm sure he will love that. I know he won't love that, but it'll make me happy. So, you know, do what you got to do. So it's up to me to tell you all what we have coming up in the near future. So we're going to start this Friday with our Patreon bonus episode. We're going to be bringing in a very smart, very funny film writer who goes by the name Outlaw Vern. And he and I go way back we to the In It Cool days where we wrote on that site together kind of made our names uh, as writers in that wild, wild west era of the internet. And uh, he is a unapologetic fan of Toby Hooper's The Mangler. So we thought that it'd only be fair to give a radical defender of that movie a chance to speak up, challenge us on our opinion on that movie. And that's what that episode is. So it's going to be in defense of The Mangler with Outlaw Vern this Friday on our Patreon. And to get access to that, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash the kingcast and well, sign up anybody in our $6 or $10 tier will get access to that episode and the dozens upon dozens upon dozens of other episodes that are exclusive over to our Patreon. If you're only listening to the show in the main feed, you are only getting half the show. So for next week, next Wednesday's episode, the topic will be a fairly new King title. Actually, we're going to be talking about Billy Summers for those who might not have picked it up yet. That is kind of falls in in line with King's uh, crime stuff of recent. It's his take on the hitman doing his last job story. 
it's a really good book. It's it's a book that uh, doesn't get talked about a whole lot, I guess, because there is no adaptation yet. But we had a returning guest, a, a comedian, a very funny comedian who really, 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 really wanted to talk about it. So we did. And that episode is coming up on Wednesday. So there we go. I think that's all the, the housekeeping. Hopefully we'll see some of y'all at Fantastic Fest this week. We will be recording with Josh Rubin live at the Highball this Friday. Uh, so if you're at Fantastic Fest, come on by and uh, and watch us do our thing live. So that should do it. And once again, everybody should go over to Twitter and wish Pop-Up a happy recovery. And we'll see you next week for Billy Summers. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly.